Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Christian Redshaw. Christian, how much sleep did you get last night? I'm going to say three hours. That's not bad. Somewhat uh, <laughs> mediocre quality hours. How about yourself? Uh, I almost pushed five, but uh, I woke up nonetheless. So, <laughs> But enough about our uh, sleep deprivation and the issues that yeah, we have. Let's, let's move on here. So we have all the way from... San Francisco, California. Marcella Deniston. Uh, the, I believe the first repeat guest we've ever had on the That's show. That's right. It took us over 100 episodes, but we finally did it. Someone did want to come back uh, on, on the podcast. I know um, uh, Marcella is going to be, I think we'll be diving into topics around um, public sector municipal uh, municipalities and cities and around cybersecurity. Um, so I think it's going to be a wonderful conversation. So if you're part of a municipality, a city, a district in any way, um, this is going to be relevant for you. Absolutely. Marcella, thank you so much for coming back and joining us on this Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And I believe you're the first actual repeat yes. guest. Yeah, you, you have the honor. You're the first repeat guest. So congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> I keep wanting to call Dominic. I think there's so many great topics for us to, to cover. <laughs> Maybe you'll be on for a third and fourth time and yeah. <laughs> keep repeating it. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> cool. So what I'm hoping is that we're going to have a public sector municipal discussion today. And so we can just get right into it here. Um, thinking about IT in general for companies and then specific for cities and municipalities and, and districts. Uh, even though it's not necessarily critical infrastructure, the IT itself, um, why is it critical for a, a city or municipality to look after IT? Yeah, so uh, so it's a, it's very interesting. We, uh, my company and I, just wrote a, a, a publication about this actually um, as part of uh, the ICIT. Uh, they actually do a, a big publication on critical infrastructures. Um, and what we contributed is actually a whole chapter to why cities and municipalities should be considered critical infrastructure. Uh, why is that? Because if you look at what cities, municipalities, local governments are doing, they are essentially the ones who are managing all of those critical infrastructure components. Yes. So you think about electric, water, um, all of the waste management systems in your city and town, uh, payments and, and everything that has to do with the, you know, the everyday life of the citizen comes directly from that city. So why is it that the IT environment of that, uh, that city is not considered critical infrastructure? Um, just doesn't make any sense. So we're really making a push for that, uh, so that they can actually get the support and funding that they deserve. Uh, in order to be able to make sure that the cities are safe. The, the ramifications are very clear that if something goes wrong, they're, they're quite literally keeping the lights on. And if something goes wrong, uh, a lot of people get affected with, by an IT issue in, in the public sector with local government. So I want to layer on the next level because we're called Cybersecurity Matters. Why does cybersecurity matter for these local governments? 
Uh, I think for for one of the the biggest proponents that we're seeing now, right, um, attackers are understanding that these organizations, the cities and municipalities are understaffed and under budgeted. Um, And a lot of times, you know, as much as I don't I don't want to word it this way, because I know, you know, cities, most cities are just doing the best they can with the funding that they have. Um, The problem is, is that these these hackers understand that they're soft targets. Their IT systems are often antiquated. They're running on old technology um, that's very difficult to update and manage. A lot of them don't even have management anymore. They don't even have, you know, updates and upgrades to the technologies. And hackers know this. Um, and so what do they do? They're going to take advantage of the fact that they know that if they take down a city, right, and what we're seeing primarily here is uh, a big push with ransomware, right? Um the more we are seeing these ransomware attacks come in, the clearer it's becoming that they know that the cities are vulnerable. They know that they're soft targets and they can push for a ransom payment because the cities can't afford to be offline. Right. And we see this with all of the ransomware attacks that have um, happened um, since 2016. There have been over 400 ransomware attacks on cities and counties just in the U.S., um, so, you know, this isn't a problem that's going away through the pandemic. We actually saw more ransomware attacks on cities and it's crippling the city to the point where, you know, they're they're offline for for months trying to get systems back up and running. Uh, they're not paying the ransoms on a lot of uh, a lot of these scenarios. And because they're not paying the ransoms, it's actually taking them longer to actually uh, get up and running again. Marcella, is this a problem that affects smaller municipalities more so than large municipalities or are they all sort of fair game? Are they all under the gun right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So, I mean, we're seeing it across small and large municipalities, right? Uh, We saw this here in the U.S. in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, You know, the the ransom there was I think they wanted fifty one thousand dollars in Bitcoin. So it was a pretty small ransom. Um, And the city said, no, we're not going to pay the ransom, which to be honest, you know, that's that's somewhat the right move, because the more you you buy into it, the more you pay into it, the more they're going to, you know, continue to do this. But at the end of the day, they didn't pay the fifty one thousand dollar ransom and ended up having to pay about two point seven million dollars um, in uh, just co- uh, crisis communication and security agencies uh, just to to start to mitigate the issue. Um, and at the end of the day, it cost taxpayers $17 million um, for this one ransom incident that they were asking 51K for. So that's Atlanta. We had it in Baltimore, which is a big city. But then we also see a lot of smaller ones, right? We saw um, St. Lucie, Florida, their sheriff's department got hit. The entire fingerprinting um, and background check system went down for them. So you can imagine you know, what that ends up causing for a city without having that that fingerprinting and background system up and running. Uh, We saw it in New Orleans. They actually declared a state of emergency. Um, And then you have other ones that are small, too, like Pensacola, Florida, that got hit. Um, So it's there's really no rhyme or reason. It's really just, you know, where they find the vulnerabilities and the soft targets to go after. Um, And this is why it's so important. For, for sure, you know, and you know, we, we even see that in the Canadian market as well. I mean, uh, there've been some high profile ones, or at least, I mean, Canadian cities are still, you know, on average smaller than American city, but there've been f- uh, fairly high profile ones here, Fredericton in, in New Brunswick and the resort municipality of Whistler here in British Columbia. Uh, I mean, these these municipalities were, were crippled for weeks and m- months on end. Um, 
is there a clear call to action for for mayors or councilors or um, executives at these municipalities? And what would be a, a clear call to action for for someone in that position? Um, yeah, I mean, so for them, I think what they really need to understand is the issues that the IT and security departments at um, uh, you know the the local government and municipalities are facing. Um, at the end of the day, they have very limited budgets. Um, I've talked to um, cities and counties, you know, that are that are on the larger scale that have hundreds of, you know, thousands of citizens all the way down to small municipalities that are, you know, only five to 10,000 people. Um, and they all have the same issue. They lack the budget. They lack the resources. And oftentimes they don't even have a security budget, right? It gets rolled into the overall IT budget. And so what ends up happening is, is that it takes a, a secondary um, uh, seat to the actual needs of the IT because a lot of those IT systems are also still very antiquated. So what happens is uh, the, the security ends up becoming uh, second nature versus, you know, having its own set project finance and timeline that's focused only on making sure that those systems are secure. Um, outside of that, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, lackadaisical policies around uh, the infrastructure. So not having the right policy sets, enforcing those policies. So the best thing that the mayors or local council people could do is understand that a cyber attack on their city um, could essentially mean that their entire city, you know, services and capabilities come down for some time and it could cost them millions of dollars. So it makes more sense for them to plan ahead of time. And the planning is really the key and crucial part here, because, for example, in New Orleans, uh, the reason that they were able to recover is because they have um, an entire disaster recovery plan because of all of the hurricane systems that they have in place. And so they were very easily able to, uh, you know, restart off of their backups and get everything up and running. Uh, but even then, it still cost them a significant amount of money and took them almost a year to get things back to, to normal. So the best thing that mayors can do um, or even the local council people can do is actually sit down with their heads of IT, understand what the security plans um, projects are, and really put time and effort into setting aside budgeting for security specifically, not just treating it as part of the IT cycle. You know, I'm, I'm listening to you, Marcella, and I'm wondering when you see, you know, Atlanta, Baltimore, <clears throat> some of the other smaller cities getting hit. Who does the buck stop with? Um, who who is responsible in the public sector for oversight? Is there a common uh, position or group of people um, that that should be taking responsibility for this? Is is it the is it the mayor? <laughs> I mean, at you the know. end of the day, it is the it should be the mayor if it's not right. Um, and I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that we're relying on the the heads, the CIOs, chief information officers, chief security officers, chief information security officers to really manage and maintain uh, these situations when they come down the line, and they're held responsible. But the problem is, is that if they're going out there and they're fighting for budget and they're fighting to get security implemented and the, you know, the financial um, organization within the city isn't approving that budget, they're not taking it seriously, then there's not much that the CISO can do. And I can't tell you the amount of, you know, CIOs and CISOs that I talk to from municipalities and local governments 
who, I mean, they just don't sleep at night. They're so tired and, you know, stressed out because they want to do more. They want to do better. But it's, at the end of the day, they're just not given the budget and resources to do it. Um, so cities really need to start taking this much more seriously. And mayors do need to get involved. The local council needs to get involved. Um, I understand that, you know, it's it's all very technical. And so I think for them, sometimes it's, you know, it feels very overwhelming to get that information or to even try to understand it. But they need to put the faith um, and uh, trust in those, uh, you know, leads in the security sector of their teams and understand that if they're saying, hey, we need more budget, we need more security. Yes. It's because it's actually a necessity and a requirement. Yeah, so it seems to me like then the missing link is between the mayor and council and the uh, the budget committee, if you will. So then the question could become, what kind of messaging do you think would be effective there in terms of facilitating that conversation, having effective communication to say, hey, this is the actual risk to us. Here are cities and municipalities of our size that are getting hit by things like ransomware. Um, how do we, how do could we empower them to have a more proactive conversation uh, am amongst their groups? Right. I mean, I think you really need to break it down in terms that they understand, right? So it's risk and impact. What is going to be the impact if this happens, right? Um, and it's making, uh, like providing them with clear examples that they can actually understand. Because when you start talking about technology, it's very easy for it to go over the head of, you know, a councilman or a mayor. And so how can we translate that into terms that they understand? It's the same as saying, you know, look, I, I have sprinklers in the office. Um, you know, we don't intend to use them. We hope that we never have to. We hope the building isn't going to catch on fire. But if it is, it's a lot better that those sprinklers are in place so that the fire can be quickly put out and you don't have to rebuild a whole building from scratch and instead maybe just work on one contained area, right? And that's, uh, that's the mindset that they need to take in having these discussions. But more so than anything, it's really being able to get in front of them and educating them a little bit more. At the end of the day, we are all becoming more technology savvy, more integrated from a technology perspective. And so it's really the responsibility of those heads of the cities and municipalities to understand that this needs to become a new integral part of their job, right? Uh, we're actually uh, a part of the, the smart cities conferences that are that happen here in California. And we do a lot to actually work with mayors and local governments um, through that conference to educate them on understanding why cybersecurity is becoming such an important part of their daily uh, work and the, the daily work of the municipalities and cities. Marcella, I'm, I'm curious around sort of the concept of cyber insurance. Are mayors and councilors and executives at, at cities and municipalities, do they see cyber insurance as a get out of jail card? And they're like, you know what? We have cyber insurance. If we get hit, the insurance covers it. How much does that mentality come into play? Unfortunately, it comes into play all too often. Um, and uh, New Orleans was actually a great example of that. Um, New Orleans did enact their cybersecurity uh, insurance uh, when they got hit with ransomware. Um, and I think it took them uh, several months, if not like uh, they're probably still dealing with the situation of trying to uh, re recoup some of the money or most of the money that they actually spent, which I think was about uh, $5 million dollars. Um, to, to try to recover some of that from their cybersecurity insurance. And I mean, 
at the end of the day, we all have insurance on different levels. How easy is it to actually get money out of your insurance company, right? <laughs> I mean, is that really a scenario you want to have to deal with? Um, and, and it's not going to cover, uh, you know, the entirety of the cost. Unfortunately, as well, there's one more thing that's starting to happen now. Uh, here in the U.S., they're actually putting sanctions on paying out ransomware attacks through your cyber insurance. And premiums are starting to skyrocket because of this, right? Um, and so what's happening is, is they're saying you cannot use your cyber insurance to pay out these ransoms. And now organizations are having to start to figure out for themselves what they're going to do if they get hit with a ransomware attack because the cyber insurance companies are no longer able to, to pay them out. Wow, that's uh, it's a crazy world we're living in now. And, you know, I, I want to talk about what is the first thing that a city should do if they really haven't looked at their cybersecurity in depth before? What's the starting point for them? I think that the starting point um, outside of sitting with the CISOs and the CIOs, right, and understanding, okay, where are we at from a technology perspective? What do we need to do to actually protect the IT infrastructure of the city? Where are our biggest risks outside of just understanding that is actually working with higher level government as well, right? Uh, working with the state, working with federal government, because there are grants, there are funds that can be appropriated to support some of the cybersecurity efforts. Um, so a great example during, um, during the pandemic was that when the CARES Act came out here in the United States, a lot of cities and municipalities were able to take some of that funding and appropriate it towards IT and security because now they had so many people working from home and they had to, you know, start these new projects to basically build secure infrastructure so people can work remotely, where before that wasn't very common with, you know, a city or a municipality. Um, some of the other things that they, they should definitely uh, think about leveraging is partnerships with other local government organizations. So, for example... Um, here in the U.S., uh, we have National Guard, right? So National Guard is basically the, the guard. It's kind of like an army that protects the state in case of any kind of emergency or crisis. Uh, the National Guard, a lot of times, many states' National Guards actually have a cyber unit. Um, so cities and municipalities should definitely be working with the state, the National Guard, local partnerships with universities to try to build out cyber centers of excellence that can not only help service the local uh, communities, but also build out an entire ecosystem within your city or municipality itself by creating job opportunities, by providing training to people in technology. Um, and so there's, there's a lot that can be done with that if they actually um, took some time to really focus on the cybersecurity needs of their uh, local environment. Uh, and, and that's uh, incredibly insightful, Marcel. I know, and, and you, know, you mentioned the term you know, "center of excellence for for security." And uh, I know in Canada, we're, we're seeing uh, some uh, municipalities taking that approach as well. I mean, if you're not able to tap into top talent, you might as well take more of a grassroots approach and start building from the ground up. So I think that's absolutely a, a wonderful insight. Um, one more quick question before we let you go. Um, there's a recent event where, I can't remember if it was Missouri or Mississippi, but uh, where um, a governor was calling out a journalist for pointing out a security flaw in, in, in some uh, code or in an application. Um, is the security community skittish at times of, of dealing with local government for, for uh, reprisal in situations like that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a very, um, it's a very touchy subject, right? Because the moment you put that vulnerability out there, the moment that you mention that that's happening, especially in a public forum, then you're essentially making them susceptible to getting hacked, right? It's like me going and broadcasting, hey, the city hall doesn't lock their doors at night. Um, you know, I, I mean, what what is a, a local government supposed to do with that kind of information? Um, now, I don't think that that should make, uh, you know, people skittish to bring this information to the local government, but they should probably do so in a fashion that's a little bit, uh, you know, more uh, enclosed than making it publicly announced. Now, I can only imagine that, you know, this person could have potentially gone to the government and said, hey, we're seeing this issue. The government dismisses it, obviously, because they have 80 million other problems that they're trying to deal with. Um, and then obviously they go out and make it public. So it's it's hard to say because to a certain extent you want to commend them for, you know, not letting the, the city or the municipality, uh, you know, put this kind of vulnerability on a back burner. But at the same time, it is difficult because it does kind of put a, a giant bullseye on on that city or a municipality as well. Right. Um, and if you look at the way governments, you know, the, the municipalities and cities work, there's so many other um, issues that they're dealing with on a daily basis that are more tangible to the citizen. And I think that's why cybersecurity or, you know, the IT and technology kind of takes a backseat because it's not something that directly affects the daily citizen on a regular basis, like schools, roads, right? Um, but at the end of the day, when you look at some of these ransomware attacks that happen, they take down payment systems. Cities not getting paid for, you know, water, electricity, all of that is going to be uh, long-term detrimental. But it's a little bit harder for them to feel like it's a tangible risk because it's not something that's directly affecting you know, a physical component of that city or municipality. Um, Marcelli, we always um, appreciate our conversations with you, and you're definitely going to be back a third, fourth, and fifth time, you know, where uh, for the first repeat guest, you did a fantastic job, and I think that was a really insightful conversation um, and allowed us to really dial into the public sector, you know, an area that we haven't had the chance to talk about. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom with us today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks again, Marcella. Christian and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Marcella is such an articulate speaker, especially around cybersecurity and around how important it is for uh, public sector and municipalities to be investing in cybersecurity. What were some of your key takeaways? Yeah, I mean, what a what a powerhouse of information. Okay, so the phrase being a soft target. Uh, that really resonates with me. We talk about hardening your cybersecurity posture, but being a soft target actually, I think, speaks to everybody. And the other point for me is proactive versus reactive. It was that difference of, uh, what was it, Atlanta, $51,000 uh, ransom solution yep. that turned into $2.7 million. So, hmm, that math seems to always work out with those types of ratios, doesn't it? Yeah. Proactive uh, versus reactive. It, it, exactly. You know, it was just, I think Marcella just hit so many uh, strong notes there. I think, I think there's a lot of great actionable takeaways for municipal leaders um, in, in, in the U.S. And, and in Canada to, to take heed and, and recognize that this is something that they need to uh, proactively, as you mentioned, and Marcella mentioned, uh, uh, invest in and, and look at. Uh, we want to extend a special 
special thank you to Marcella for joining us again uh, on the podcast. And as well, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal, loyal listeners and viewers for joining us each and every week. Um, if you did miss an episode, please do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page, uh, as well as your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. 